Rush Limbaugh is dead. Radical Truth to Power, the progressive news show with less BSery. Radical Truth to Power is the everyday black man's perspective on the world of progressive politics, news and world events, and everyday life itself. My name is Marlon, and on today's show, we'll be discussing the untold stories of the civil rights movement. Now, we can't talk about civil rights without bringing up the Jim Crow laws, but in essence, the Jim Crow laws are successors to a group of laws and codes during the Reconstruction era after the Civil War called the Black Codes. In fact, life after slavery really didn't differ much from life during slavery for blacks because of the Black Code. Slavery was a multi-billion dollar enterprise and former Confederate states had to find a way to continue, quote, slavery without it actually being, quote, slavery. This is where the loophole in the 13th Amendment comes in, which I discussed in my last podcast. But just as a refresher, the 13th Amendment prohibits slavery and servitude in all circumstances except as a punishment for crimes. So what do you do? You come up with new crimes. First enacted in 1865 in states such as South Carolina and Mississippi, the black codes were slightly different from place to place, but not by much. So here's how it works. They actually prohibited loitering and vagrancy. So their idea was, if you're going to be free, you should be working. So if they see three or four black people standing around talking, you are considering loitering or seen as being vagrants, which means you've broken a law, which means you can be arrested and sent to jail for that crime. The Black Code not only forced blacks to work for free, but it also placed them under surveillance. Their coming and goings during meetings and church services was all monitored by the authorities and local officials. Black people actually needed passes from white sponsors to move from place to place or to even leave town. Collectively, these restrictions coded blacks in America as permanent underclasses. The Black Code was enacted throughout the South in 1865. However, Congress passed the Civil Rights Act of 1866 to give blacks more rights, but to a degree. The legislation allowed black people to rent or own property, enter contracts, and bring cases before the courts, but only against fellow blacks. Moreover, it was allowing individuals who infringe on their rights to be sued. In 1868, the 14th Amendment granted citizenship and equal protection under the law for black people. In 1870, the 15th Amendment granted African American men the right to vote. Of course, this decision angered a lot of white Americans, especially those in the South, angry that the people they once enslaved are now more or less on an equal playing field. To mitigate black people and to keep them separate from whites, any race 
or at the very least slow down their progression that they may do the reconstruction the Jim Crow laws was established in the South beginning in the late 19th centuries. Blacks could not use the same public facilities as white people living in many of the same towns or even go to the same schools. Interracial marriage was illegal and most blacks couldn't vote because they was unable to pass a voter literacy test. Jim Crow was strengthened even more in 1896 when the U.S. Supreme Court declared in Placey versus Ferguson that facilities for blacks and whites could be, quote, separate but equal. Civil rights wasn't just a civilian concern. By the early 1940s, war-related jobs were booming, but most black Americans wasn't even given a better paying jobs. They was also encouraged from joining the military. After thousands of people threatened to march on Washington to demand equal opportunities, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt issued Executive Order 8202 in 1941. It opened a national defense jobs and other government jobs that all Americans, regardless of race, creed, or color, or national origin. This order allowed opportunities in the military to give birth to legendary groups such as the Tuskegee Airmen. However, keep in mind, just because you are the first black military aviators in the U.S. Army Air Corps, and just because you earn more than 150 distinguished flying crosses, you are still black men in America, and you will still be subjected to all the prejudice and racism that comes with that. As the Cold War began, President Harry Truman initiated a civil rights agenda by issuing Executive Order 9981 in 1948. This was to end discrimination in the military. These events helped set the stage for grassroots initiatives to enact racial equality through legislation and incite the civil rights movement. Early in this podcast, I mentioned the terms that black people had to pass a voter literacy test to vote in America. These tests was merely set up to discourage, and in most cases, disqualify black Americans from voting, considering that the tests were confusing, misleading, and nearly impossible to pass. Because of this, the Eisenhower administration pressured Congress to consider new civil rights legislation. In 1957, President Eisenhower signed the Civil Rights Act of 1957 into law the first major civil rights legislation since the Reconstruction. It allowed federal prosecution of anyone who tried to prevent anyone from voting. It also created a commission to investigate voter fraud. Now for a little trivia. Did you know that the Woolworth lunch counter protest gave birth to a black battle cry that we still use today? In case you don't know what the Woolworth lunch counter protest was, in 1960, four college students took a stand against segregation in Greensboro, North Carolina, when they refused to leave a Woolworth lunch counter without being served. Their efforts spearheaded a peaceful sit-in and demonstrations in dozens of cities and helped launch the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee to encourage all students to get involved in civil rights movement. It also caught the eye of a young college graduate named Stokely Carmichael 
who joined the SNCC during the Freedom Summer of 1964 to register black voters in Mississippi. In 1966, Carmichael became the chair of the SNCC, giving a famous speech in which he originated the phrase, Black Power. Linda B. Johnson signed the Civil Rights Act of 1964. The laws guaranteed equal employment for all, limiting the use of voter literacy tests and allow federal authorities to ensure public facilities were integrated. I only bring this up because not only is it a most important act signed during the Civil Rights Movement, but you notice they still have not banned the use of voter literacy tests. They just limit the use. Let's move on to the more things change, the more they stay the same. On March 7, 1965, 600 peaceful demonstrators participated in the Salem to Montgomery March to protest the killing of black civil rights activist Jimmy Lee Jackson by a white police officer and to again encourage legislation to enforce the 15th Amendment. The protesters were blocked by Alabama state and local police who were sent by Alabama George C. Wallace as they neared the Edmund Pettus Bridge. The protesters refused to stand down and decided to move forward. Because of this, they were brutally beaten and tear gassed by police and dozens of protesters were hospitalized. The entire incident was televised and to this day is known as Bloody Sunday. Some activists wanted to retaliate with violence, but Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. pushed for nonviolent protests and eventually gained federal protection for another march. Now, I know there's a lot of injustice that was going on during the civil rights movement, but I can tell you what the biggest injustice that's going on right now, and that is people is listening to this podcast on their favorite platform or listening to it on our YouTube channel, and you still have it like, share, and subscribe. That is definitely injustice. So if you want justice to prevail, please like, share, and subscribe. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, or our Facebook page. You can email me at radtp at outlook.com. That's R-A-D-T-P at outlook.com. In 1965, President Johnson signed the Voters' Right Act. The new law banned all voter literacy tests and provided federal examiners in certain voting jurisdictions. It also allowed the Attorney General to contest state and local poll taxes. As a result, poll taxes are later declared unconstitutional in Harper v. Virginia State Board of Elections in 1966. So I want you to keep this in mind. It took nearly 95 years to actually outlaw the voter literacy test, a test that shouldn't have been on the books to begin with. The Fair Housing Act became law in 1968, just days after Dr. Martin Luther King's assassination. It prevented housing discrimination based on race, sex, national origin, and religion. It was also the last legislation enacted during the Civil Rights era. Now I'm going to take the professor hat off and just talk to you. Have you noticed that every time reparations come up, the very first thing that white supremacists do is say, well, slavery has been over for a long time. 
I gave you this history lesson to show you that even though slavery was outlawed, doesn't mean that they stopped treating us like slaves. We literally had to have laws on the books just to have a fighting chance. We shouldn't even have to put laws on the books because these laws that was put in place to hold us down shouldn't have been in effect to begin with. And to be honest with you, some of the laws that are put on the books right now are being ignored. I mean, look at the Fair Housing Act of 1968. Do you really think that stopped anything? If you still have a ghetto or a hood, the answer is no, it didn't stop anything. Because remember, we still have redlining in this country, which now has to be proven that it's redlined, and it has to be proven by the people who put the redlining in effect. So yeah, that's fair. But some of the other things that happened in the past is just icky. <laughs> to, that's the best word I can come up with. Could you imagine being arrested just standing around? I mean, I'm pretty sure they don't even ask you, do you have a job or anything else? They pretty much just probably looked at you as a black person, figured you don't work, and now we're going to arrest you and give you a fine that you know you're not going to be able to pay. And then we're going to, I guess, rent you out to somebody that's not paying you nothing to pay the fine. So, yeah, you're right back to slavery. But it was... That, that was the law in most states in the South. That was the law. You couldn't imagine having to live through something like that. Or could you? Could you imagine almost being arrested for walking across the street? Well, it did happen. And not too long ago. In 2017, a viral video posted on Facebook shows a Jacksonville sheriff officer threatening a young black man with jail time after he crossed the street without a walk signal. The video shows a officer, J.S. Boland, detaining a Donovan, a Donovan Shipman and threatening to take him to jail for <laughs> dis disobeying a direct order and resisting without violence after he stopped them over jaywalking jaywalking you're threatening to throw a anybody i'm sorry black white whatever but let's face it it's because he was black but the fact that you even wasted your time pulling somebody over and threatening to arrest them because of jaywalking really this is all you had to do today that day i mean it was 2017 but anything to do that day was to arrest somebody or at least threatening to arrest him. I mean, it ain't like the cop was walking and he saw the kid Jay walking. No, this cop was in his car, saw the young black man crossing the street, pulled next to him and told him to come here. Now, this is 2017. It was bad then. It's 2021. You kind of have a uh, feeling when a cop says, come here. It's like, you know, come here so I can beat your ass a little easier compared to chasing you down for no apparent reason. Hyperbole, I know, but still. 
the fact is there's really not a big difference between the past and the present. It's just hidden better. Back then, it was law. You could do it wide. It, you could do it in the opening. Nobody was going to say anything to you. You're just following the law. Now, it's the exact same action, but for a reason. And it doesn't matter if the reason is right. Nine out of ten, the reason is never right. But now you have to have an investigation. And let's face the fact. Until these people, and I'm not, and believe me, folks, I'm not just talking about cops. I'm talking about white supremacy itself. Until they are held accountable for their actions, until somebody just utterly start calling BS on these things that they do that is just completely and utterly wrong, they have no reason to stop. Now, like I said, we couldn't say that back in the past during the civil rights era because it was law. It was out in the opening. I'm only doing what I am allowed to do under law. It was bad law, but yet it was still law. Now, these laws are taken off the books. So they found an underlying way to do the exact same thing. And now you have to investigate. And unfortunately, the people who are investigating them are the people who never seem to find enough evidence or it wasn't that bad, or maybe it just wasn't their fault, or the worst case scenario is, yeah, it is your fault, but we're just not going to suspend you or find you the littlest amount we can. The point is, that's not holding people accountable. If you don't hold people accountable for their actions, they're going to continue to do it. And it don't have to be the next day that they do it. It literally could be the next year. Most of the time, it's just the next month. So when people constantly saying, getting back to my point of reparations, and no, it's, it, slavery has been gone for a long time, they constantly, either subconsciously or on purpose, and 9 out of 10 is on purpose. They try to forget that we're also counting the civil rights movement. We're also counting those laws that had held minorities down for years. Honestly, and I'm, and I'm, well, I'm actually being nice. Remember when I said that the voter literacy, the voter literacy test took 95 years to be taken off the books. Could you imagine how much politics, how many people has been voted in and out of office that could have helped the black community who didn't even get a chance because they didn't have enough people to vote for them because of this stupid test. And it took 95 years for it to be taken off the books. 95 years. It's just amazing to me that people want to constantly keep thinking we're talking about slavery, that we need to put money, we need reparations to put money in our community because of slavery. 
We need to put money into our schools because of slavery. We need reparations for people and fair housing because of slavery. It's not just slavery. It started at slavery and it's ended. It's not ended. It is still continuously going on right here, right now. So the next time somebody say slavery is ended, ask them when. See if they give you a date. And if they do, remind them about the black codes and then the Jim Crow laws. Remind them how those laws that were on the books kept us down a lot longer than it should have. Well, that's my show for today. If you're listening to me on YouTube, please do not forget to like, share, subscribe. You can also follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and our Facebook page. You can also email me at radtp at outlook.com. That's radtp at outlook.com. Until next time, I'll see you when I see you.